Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And this is spring in northern Arizona. It's nice one week, and it's not as nice for a couple days, and it's nice again. So we slowly warm up with huge temperature swings. So it's not like the Midwest or Alaska. You know, you don't start planting till Memorial Day, but when it does, it's just warm all the time, day and night even. Here, it's warm during the day, and then you never know when it's going to be at night. And so that's the that's that elevation thing that gets us. We're so high altitude that you get these very large swings, and then we're just exposed to a lot of these storm systems. We're up here where the wind gets to us more. And so you'll find there's there's starting to happen, even right now, a prevailing southwest wind. It just, it's a breeze. Sometimes it's more than a breeze. It's always blowing from the southwest. This is why you really want to stake your trees, especially fruit trees and shade trees, that first year, maybe two years, 18 months, a couple growing seasons. So if you don't, if you just plant a tree in the yard and that prevailing southwest wind starts to blow and it starts to leaf out. These trees are like huge parachutes. They just catch that breeze and they start leaning to the northeast. And all of a sudden you'll see your, your neighborhood. You'll see certain trees that are just leaning. Look which way they're leaning. They're leaning to the northeast because they weren't staked when they were young. Then they were, then that breeze just blows and it starts pushing that, that canopy, that trunk towards you know away from the wind it's southwest wind so it's going to lean to the northeast and and then once that ring of new wood um, grows it solidifies in that there's no recovery you can't bring it back just one ring of wood one extra years of growth on a tree and it just stays that way literally i've had a a bumper and a big piece of rope big strap trying to bring back this tree it wasn't that old and i could not this is a four-wheel drive pickup truck it wouldn't come back to me i was afraid of snapping that thing right off so i said okay it's fine the way it is i'm gonna leave i should have staked it earlier i thought it was in an orchard and it would it wouldn't be as exposed there but it was it started leaning i could not get that thing back so stake your trees because of the southwest prevailing wind. And it'll it'll happen really May and June is when this wind kind of blows. Now through through whenever the monsoon season starts, typically the end of June, first part of July. And once that monsoon pattern happens, all that prevailing wind stops. And now hopefully we get afternoon rains, which we desperately need. And so that's kind of a thing that happens at, at, no matter where you're tuned in from. Sedona, it's the same way. Uh, Kingman, same way. Williams, same, we all get the same prevailing southwest wind. Obvious. You know, we're talking to we're, the Waters Garden Center. Our family helps helps the folks in the Central Highlands area. That is Prescott Valley, Dewey, down to Cottonwood, Camp Verde, Sedona, over to Kingman, to to uh, uh, Skull Valley, Kirkland, and obviously Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley. So this this, this area, we're some of these prairie areas 
are really exposed. You just get that, that wind is always blowing. So stake things, it makes a difference. If you were going to plant, oh, if you were going to plant uh, privacy screens, wind breaks, let's say you're out in Paulden or Chino Valley, you got those big, op- beautiful vistas, but that wind just comes at you and you need to cut the wind, just plant some evergreens to the southwest side of your property and it will break that wind up for you. In fact, if you can stagger a little bit, not just a row, but give maybe a, a triangular shape, kind of a pattern to it, it ruffles that wind up even more so it keeps it up above the tree line and above your roof line. And so, yeah, you'll feel a breeze, but it won't be this pounding on you. Literally, I, our first house Lisa and I ever had was out in Prescott Valley, just across the street from Cody Springs. It was dirt roads exposed. Not We were one of the first homes on this road in Prescott Valley. It was magical. It was like living in the country, only it was in a city, Prescott Valley. Uh, so the wind out there literally would roll through like like a freight train. Literally, you could hear a wind shear coming at you. One, one year, I had to run out, grab my son, who was going to be taken away. He was maybe five. I'm bringing him underneath the overhang, trying to protect him from this wind shear that was hitting. By the time we left that neighborhood, it was all built out. The landscaping was starting to mature, and we never saw that again. All those wind shears would stay up at the top of the tree lines or the roof lines or the shed lines or up above the buildings and, and the landscape. It didn't hit the ground like it used to. So that's the benefit of having landscapes. So the number one seller by far are Arizona cypress, fast-growing evergreen gets up 20 25 feet tall 12 feet wide and it just blocks that it just it's a native that grows wild here uh, throughout kind of this north country of arizona and it just naturally once you get up to size you probably never have to water care for it again doesn't have bugs doesn't really get diseased Another that's that's really not thought of, let's say below 5,500 foot, 6,000 foot level, but a natural up in Williams, Groom Creek, Highland Pines, Flagstaff, Colorado spruce, they grow wild here. Once you get them established, they get rooted and they start really pushing on their growth, they'll naturalize and just be this beautiful Christmas tree looking, you know, tall evergreen up to Colorado spruce. They get tall, 50 feet by 12, 18 feet wide and solid. I mean, wind is not going to go through that evergreen tree. It looks real pretty in a row or in a forested area. I was helping a customer, uh, gardener here at the garden center yesterday. They were doing a swale. I guess they, they, the neighborhood had had this waterway they'd kind of made. And so it was kind of ugly. She's looking down at it from her deck. I'm going, we can turn this into a real asset. Let's put some different conifers in there, make a little island out of the swale. All of a sudden, it's going to be put a couple aspens in there, a couple spruce trees, and it would just look magical. And she was all in. So that that really played out well for them. So there's a way to use those. But this is a great, really probably ideal time to plant any of those. First of all, they're not affected by weather. So, so spruce trees, they let it snow. They like the winter. They like the spring. They like the summer. They love this mountain elevation. If you're at a lower elevation, I've seen beautiful spruce trees in cottonwood. What is that? 4,000 foot, 3,800 foot. Sedona, uh, uh, Skull Valley, Kirkland, they're, they're 4,200 feet. 
And so they're, they're, they're below what they naturally or natively grow. But if you put them on a drip system, they think they are in heaven. They just naturalize. They actually grow faster, bigger, faster at the lower elevations if you're going to water them, especially when you're just getting them started. Of course, Prescott, uh, this, this elevation here and higher, they just naturalize. You've got Spruce Mountain. You could almost walk to from Prescott right here. It's, just, it's right there. You can see Spruce Mountain right there. There's wild fir and spruce just growing up there. Maybe I'll take a segment. I can explain the different kinds of spruce trees. There's, when you go to your garden center, you're going to find there's probably six, I don't know, seven varieties of spruce. What in the world is all the different? I don't have enough time and just a minute left, but but now's the time. One thing you're seeing bloom right now, lilacs. Oh, they're beautiful. This is lilac country. They don't mind cold. They take our winters. They bloom consistently every spring. You can count on them, but there's a lot of choices. More than just that traditional common lilac, purple, there's whites, there's yellows, there's reds, there's blues, lavenders, purples. There's all different varieties. I've even got a variegated red one. Very unusual. All have that same fragrance. So if you see a, a purpley looking flower, it's just covered in flowers right now, up standing about anywhere from hip to head high. Those are all lilacs. They're all blooming. The North Country, they're all going into bloom at the same time. I think it was that cold last week just said, yep, that's it. I think spring, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And they just all released. I mean, just started to bloom all at once with that great fragrance of lilac. Got a lot in store. Lisa Waterslane, she's coming in with your garden questions right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Go native with Waters' locally grown selection of overachievers. Waters' hand-selected native plants and cactus are famous for continual blooms, natural beauty, and low care. You can do this. A stunning backyard with less water and even less work. And Waters can help. Go native with Waters' selection of overachieving native plants from Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Shop Waters' native plants in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants of the Month are Lilac, Columbine, Purple Plum, and our Prescott Poppies. These silk beauties look delicate, but really one of the toughest bloomers in the gardens. These wildflowers come in vivid colors of orange, red, pink, and white that are ideal for the hard-to-grow areas in your yard. You're going to love your backyard again. Prescott poppies can only be found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back in the studio with Lisa Waters Lane, my favorite gal. Good morning, my dear. Good morning. Hey, you got it going on today. You look Do good. I, do I kind of match? I tried to match my earrings to my shirt. Men don't no, notice that you're matching. They just go, dang, she's pretty. Okay. Maybe matching helps some. She's got it going on. <laughs> you look young and vibrant. You got this glow about you. Oh, so you've okay. got some sunshine. Yes. Some lake time. Did get some lake time. Got some sun. Yeah. It was very nice. nice. 
So uh, this is a Q&A segment. That is, what are your neighbors talking about? And boy, has it ever been an active garden season. Mm -hmm. Some folks are running from fires. Others are dealing with frost. Others are planting like crazy. Some are trying to block, screen out people. There's just a lot going on here at the garden center. So uh, typical spring season, except yeah. for the fire thing. That was kind of a weird one. Hopefully yeah. that settles down. Hopefully they get it under control. What yeah. kind of questions we got? Well, guess what the number one question yeah. was this week yeah. on phone, online, in My the sky. Fr frost damage, frost <laughs> yeah. damage, frost damage. Frost. I, mean, I was yes. helping I mean, every other customer is, mm -hmm. I bought this thing, I planted it, and I, I had one person, they, they put wool blankets over their, I think tomatoes or something, and it still got to cold. That's crazy. Yeah. Never thought that would yeah. be the case. So. so I thought we should probably take a minute or two and just sure. kind of cover that because if that many people are calling, there's yeah. a lot of people that aren't calling that are wondering the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of trees that were in bloom or brand new leaves, a lot of shrubs, um, some veggies, things like that. So what should people do? What should they be looking for and how to take care of it? So I guess describe frost <laughs> damage. What happens is that new tender growth starts to emerge and then it, it freezes. And so literally the, the tissue cells in that in the foliage will freeze. And now the plant is trying to send that leaf moisture, but it can't get to it. So it quickly dries up. Um, and starts to just gets crispy. And so you'll see that you can rub your hand up and down mm -hmm. the foliage and it's just like crisp dried out. Yep. Or that's a plant that had, let's say, Japanese maples uh, mm -hmm. got hit pretty hard. Sycamores got hit pretty hard. There's a lot mm -hmm. of different things that hit. Uh, the peach trees, uh, the fruits uh, were starting to form on like apricots, nectarines, mm -hmm. uh, certain things. And so it froze, that 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 fruit actually froze. It's like you took a fresh peach from the grocery store, say sprouts or something, you take it and put it in the freezer and then you pull it out in a couple of days. What does it look like Not when you pull it good. out? Not, Not very nice. That's what happened on the tree. Right. The same thing. So the fruit will actually start to shrivel. It'll start to shrink. Then it'll get kind of wrinkly and then it'll kind of drop off. And so if that happened to your fruit, there's no recovery. The tree is fine. Right. The fruit you've lost this year. So it was a freak. And we were looking at 29 degrees. I thought, oh, this won't be that bad. 29, 30 trees. Some fruit will get damaged, but not all of it. That That's good until you get to the mid-20s. So with fruit trees or fruits in general, if it goes to 32 degrees, you lose 10% of your, of your fruit, the outer edges. Mm -hmm. You go to 30, 30 degrees, 31 degrees, you lose 10% more. Well, if you go to 28 degrees, you lose 100% of your fruit. 28 is that magic number that agriculture folks kind of use as a gauge. And that's why they'll go out there and water plants. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll cover plants and put fans uh, of heat devices, lights, shop lights. Mm -hmm. And so if you did some of that, you might've saved the core of that fruit but if you didn't do anything, you probably lost at least above that 5,000 foot level and above, you probably lost your fruit this year. You'll get beautiful shade this summer. It'll be great fall color. You just might not get much fruit. Right. Tomatoes, vegetables, that kind of stuff. Basil, like we lost a flat of basil. Yeah. It just got too cold yep. and they just don't like the cold. Those are tropical plants. Right. That's like putting a 
parakeet out there and watching them <laughs> enjoy the cold. They don't do that. They're not sparrows and finches. They're right. parakeets. They don't like that kind of cold. So they they would have died. They turn sometimes those will turn kind of black. Mm -hmm. They get kind of wilty mushy. and brown, mushy. They'll they'll limp over, fall over. And once they do that, they, there's no recovery. You just lost them. And I don't think any amount of covering would have helped. Would have helped. <laughs> that was so extreme. That that's yeah. that's just mother nature. Mm -hmm took out the gardens. Luckily it happened early. So we can, we can recover pretty easily for another, you know, six, seven bucks. You can start over again and kind of leapfrog and make it happen. But those are things you're looking at with frost. Mm -hmm. Unless you brought them indoors, you had a greenhouse. A lot of folks brought them into their garages. Mm -hmm. They protected them. Those were fine. The ones that were left out those couple nights, uh, things that didn't get damaged. They loved that. Uh, the pansies, the violas, our peony is in full glorious bloom. Yeah, it, is. it loved that cold. Right. Didn't affect it at all. Actually, <laughs> will bloom longer now that you've got that. Your lilacs, they're starting to open up now. They weren't affected at all. In fact, it'll probably bloom longer. Mm -hmm. what, what will benefit you is that kind of extreme this early in spring really wreaks havoc on aphids and thrip. Thank so heavens. you'll find, yeah, <laughs> it can actually be a benefit. You might, you yeah. lost a few plants. Uh, but you, you're, you, the plants that survived really will do better because they, they don't have those thrip inside the flowers, eating the flowers, because mm -hmm. the cold, cold took those bugs out or right. or thinned the population. Right. So anyway, that's. But all is not lost. Your no. trees and shrubs, they'll put new leaves out. Yeah, Mother Nature is right. pretty smart and she knows how yeah. to put new leaves out. And you just got to be the patient. Yes, that's a hard one. We are Americans. <laughs> we are not patient. We want it now. It was looking so good. Recover now. Yeah. It'll probably take, let's say a Japanese maple got the mm -hmm. foliage, a brand new foliage came out. It might take three or four weeks because it's going to have to form new, new leaf buds, buds mm -hmm. that will form. So it'll form <clears throat> brand new foliage up and down that stem. So if you can scrape, rub that old crusty foliage off so it right. exposes it to more light. Mm -hmm. the, fold, the bark will warm up. And then uh, it will form those leaf buds faster that mm -hmm. way. So that's, and I would say if you haven't fertilized, or even if you have fertilized, fertilize some more because it's going to take take some nutrients. It's going to take some more food mm -hmm. to create all that foliage, right. all that energy it stored up before has been lost because it was spent on the on the, the leaves that were there. Mm -hmm. And now it might be a little bit hungry. It would be benefit to put a little bit more. Like okay. seven, four, four all-purpose food on your plants, trees, okay. shrubs, whatever. Mm -hmm. yep. Sounds good. Well, we've got time for one more question after all that, I think. So uh, Ryan out in Chino, he has fruit trees and raspberries going on season two. Right on. So second season. He wants to know how often should he be watering this season sure. and fertilizing? So, so, so really grapes berries, blueberries, blue, uh, boysenberries, all those, all those edible uh, uh, fruits, they're heavy feeders. Mm -hmm. And so I recommend, I, we fertilize ours probably every six weeks or so, maybe every other month or something like that with a good granular food mm -hmm. if they're in the ground. And so that will really get them to elongate because they're going to push 12 foot of growth. This, this, the amount of energy it takes to push all that new cane yeah. growth or all that new vine growth is tremendous. Yeah. And so you, it, they, they, they tend to be a little bit heavier feeder. I would say the same thing with like climbing roses mm -hmm. that to put on that really long cane takes a lot of energy. So all these plants are in that same genre. So then you go back to watering. 
I guess what to water with, what to fertilize with. Berries like we make a uh, a fruit and vegetable food. Mm -hmm. It's loaded up with <clears throat> calcium, which will really bring out the size of the berry and the flavor. It will melt in your mouth. It's like calcium is what brings brings the brings the most out of fruiting plants. Mm -hmm. So put that granular food on every six eight weeks. Watering, you're probably going to water ah, once a week. Be really careful when they're forming their fruit. It's a bit early yet, but once they start to, to set fruit, if they get stressed at all, they'll take the moisture from the berry and use it to keep the heart of the plant alive. So I would say maybe every five to seven days for something that's heavy with, with fruit. Um, until then, once a week is more than enough mm -hmm. to, to encourage deep, treat it like your trees or your roses. One deep soak a week is really good for, for berry plants, grapes plants. So we're out of time. Wow. Thank you, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Be right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion Plants of the Month are Lilac, Poppy, Columbine, and our Purple Twist Plum. This Arizona plum is the ideal purple tree between evergreens. Blooms in a profusion of pink flowers that precede the deep purple foliage. Large enough to use as a front yard tree and behaved enough to use as a street tree. Plant pears flanking gateways, driveways, or an orchard-like rose to screen neighbors. Purple Twist Plum can only be found at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. There's nothing like tomatoes picked fresh from your garden. Waters Mountain Tomato Collection are varieties proven to produce and thrive. Heirlooms, beefsteaks, cherries, naturally grown for local success. Completely organic, never genetically altered, and utterly delicious. They're ready for your garden now. You can grow your own this spring, and we can help. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Shop Waters in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. I had mentioned uh, spruce trees at the beginning of the show, and and. There's different kinds of spruce, but they're all cousins of each other. And, and this is where a lot of this science or hybridization or grafting comes into play. So if you find a beautiful specimen out in the wild, it's like the perfect tree. You've never seen any brighter color, more dense of foliage, um, better patterns. So the layering or that, that uh, swoop, the, the, the branch structure that swoops out. If you see the perfect tree, and you know, you, you know, it's like people. You see a beautiful person, you go, whoa, that's that's unusual. Trees are the same way. You go, whoa, that's that's way above standard. That's beautiful. They'll take a cutting, they'll take one tip off of that, and then they'll graft that tip, that branch, onto a very hardy rootstock. And so it'll be a spruce tree, but it might be a, a mangy spruce tree or just a just wild native thing. So it's big aggressive rootstock. They'll take this perfect sample, a cutting off that, and they'll graft it onto that root. And now that branch 
will feed off that root and it will form an exact replica, I mean, a clone of that mother plant. And so we call this grafting. So now you get an exact copy of that same beautiful plant and now you can replicate it over and over and over. And that's where you get these really rich, deep, silver blue kind of trees. They're not natural. They're beyond natural. They've been grafted to be that way. So it's artistry. It takes years. So you get a, a spruce tree that's maybe as tall as you and I, and they can be seven, eight, ten years old by the time they're finally from that stage, from grafting it onto a root and then growing it on for years and then finally grooming it to look like this finished tree. It can take many years, but now you've got decades and decades and decades of enjoyment of this most beautiful, perfectly shaped tree. And it takes no, 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 no pruning, no care, maybe a little fertilizer every once in a while. They just do it because they came, their parents, that mother plant was the perfect tree. And it just replicates that over and over again, the same nodes, the same growth. The DNA is exactly the same. And so you're seeing a couple trees at your garden centers that are sort of like that. One, I'll start with, of course, Colorado spruce. You can start Colorado spruce by a seed, and now you get this eclectic mix of different kinds of, of you get the ugly ones, the pretty ones, the green ones, the blue ones. There's no consistency. So we like, so the ones we go after here, this is now at your up-end garden centers, we're going for grafted Colorado spruce. So we'll take the perfect Colorado. These are big boys. They get up to easily 50 feet by 20 feet wide. It's dense, solid, natural. And so we'll take the perfect Colorado. We'll start grafting that and we'll have this exact replica. That's the standard. That's the, that's kind of the, the one everyone knows because it's native. It just grows wild here. A, a cousin of that is called a fat Albert spruce. Fat Albert is, it's a Colorado spruce, but it's been dwarfed. So we grafted a Colorado spruce onto a smaller root stock. So it's, the root is controlling the size, how big this thing can get. And so now it looks exactly like a Colorado spruce, but only gets up to 18 feet instead of 50 or 60 feet. But it has that perfect layering and it's got this, this silver rich. You'll see it's bluer than normal going, whoa, what is that tree? I like that one. Well, it's a fat Albert spruce and it's a dwarf. It's made for smaller yards. It doesn't overtake its space. Uh, for a lot of your smaller yards, that's probably the preferred evergreen Christmas tree looking kind of plant. It's a great time to plant those. Another one that's sort of like a Colorado spruce. It's called Baccarai. Actually, there's two, hoop size spruce and Baccarai spruce. They've they're the eyes. So uh, they don't have a common name for these. These are the Latin names, Baccarai and Hoopsai. But they're Colorado spruce, but they look more natural. They're very intense. They're not just blue. They're silver. I mean, they're crazy. They almost glow in the dark. Crazy color, very rich, deep colors to them. They do get big. So these are standard Colorado, maybe, maybe 40 feet tall instead of 60. They're still big. Once you go above you know, roof line level, that's a big tree. So, but traditional layering to it, not quite as tight of layering. So the branch structure is a little more open, has some character to it. The smallest or dwarfest of all the spruce trees is Alberta spruce. This is a green shrub, a tree. It's like a really short tree or a tall shrub. Gets up maybe head high, but Alberta spruce, we use these it's like the teddy bears of the evergreen spruce trees. 
We use them in, in containers at the front, either side of the garage, as you're entering your front door, in, in raised beds. It's just easy care, evergreen, slow grow. This is one you want to buy bigger because it just it might grow three inches a year. Very slow. It's truly a dwarfed variety of spruce tree, but it's just so cute. You just look at it and go, wow, that's cute and green. So Alberta spruce. And that's kind of, I'm sure I've got some others out there. This is the time you want to put evergreens into your landscape because the selection is so good. So we've had the spring harvest. We've, we've grown those out. And now you're seeing a lot of choices, a lot of sizes of each choices. So you just have a lot to pick from. And they're going to root out aggressively in the spring. You'll get the spring flusher growth. So you get more plant by the end of the year. It's just a really ideal time to be putting. I know everyone thinks the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving is the best time for Christmas tree looking plants. No, the best time to plant them is now in the spring. That's when you get the best selection, best choices, and, and, and they'll just fill in better for you. Anyway, that's spruce trees in a nutshell. <laughs> be right back after this with Lisa Waters Lane and her garden segment. Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Gee, my flowers just bloom too much. Said no one, ever. Hi, this is Kenneth Waters. We had a crazy winter and everyone's ready for flowers in the garden. Waters Flower Power is made specifically for Arizona that gives flowers that extra boost to burst into bloom. It's an energy kick in the plants. Get ready for roses that rule, peppers that pop, and tomatoes that triumph. More power to the flowers with Flower Power at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Growing up in Prescott, we knew spring was here when my grandmother's lilacs bloomed. I'm Lisa Waters Lane, and my grandma would be thrilled with the new Bloomerang Pink Perfume Lilacs at Waters Garden Center. New pink blooms fill the landscape with fragrance of grandma over and over again in the garden. Mine bloomed three times last year, making spring last well into fall, all for under $25. Lilacs like Grandma used to grow, and better. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week, and this is just her segment. What is she seeing in the garden? Just, just a, a different perspective, different garden advice from a different angle. And you are one brilliant gardener. <laughs> You've been doing this your entire life, at least in the garden center business, kind of like our kids. And they look young, but they probably get the most experience of anyone out there on the floor because they've just been surrounded by plants their entire life. True. Very true. <laughs> That's it. You're not going to keep going. I'm waiting for you to jump right in there. I can only sit up so long. Kind of in a funk today, huh? <laughs> not quite the radio microphone thing yeah, going on. <laughs> so what kind of advice do you think you're thinking about? So I was thinking about vegetables and your ornamental or you just your regular landscape okay are making i guess an edible landscape there we go there you go that works edible landscapes like like blueberries and and 
well, service berries and also, you know it used to be years ago or maybe it's still in the midwest people put in this huge garden yeah i mean huge i remember my grandparents had this huge huge garden yeah a big piece of land and they had corn and everything and everything but people just don't have that space in their right. yards anymore to do that but there's still something about going out and planting some vegetables some fruits some of those things and just harvesting them from your own yard that are amazing so just because you have a smaller yard does not mean you have to give up growing your own fruits and vegetables you think of permaculture like like uh, a shade tree is an apple tree that you can sure. also it's like yeah. double duty it's shade it's spring flowers sure. it's fall color but then you can also eat the fruit right so there's a lot of that the permaculture putting in fruit trees and but some people don't but you know they're not going to be canning apples right. or peaches and they don't want to go that far right but maybe they want some fresh tomatoes. Maybe they there want some go. strawberries. Maybe they want a few little things that they can eat, but without being overwhelmed by a massive production yeah. <laughs> of fruits and veggies. And that's really something to think about. You know, when you're thinking about using vegetables and, <clears throat> excuse me, fruits in your garden, how do you want to use it? Is yeah. it something you just want to go out and nibble on and have a few? Is it something you want to can? Because that's totally different yeah. than having a few things. Different scale. On. Yeah. And I guess uh, I was just thinking about more. How do you just bring in some edibles? You could go whole hog. We can certainly help you do that if that's something you want to do. Uh, but we would just, encourage that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're just, if you have a smaller yard or maybe you travel. Yeah. Um, and maybe you just don't have the energy to put into a huge garden. You can still grow some of your own things and have a really pretty yard. There's the nothing time. prettier than a tomato plant and a nice ox blood red container right. with a beautiful cage coming up that you've spray painted to match the container <laughs> and it's growing up and it's this big three foot plant with these beautiful fruits and yeah you can nibble on some or you can just enjoy the beauty right. of a tomato plant they're right. they're gorgeous plants Definitely. so the thing to think about when you're putting fruits and vegetables in with your ornamental plants is get plants that have like needs yeah. like wants so watering fertilizing you want to keep them somewhat the same you don't want to put a succulent in with a tomato because they have totally different yeah. needs and wants so you don't want to mix those two together but you're right you can i was thinking about um eggplant actually because the the blossom on an eggplant is purple yeah it's, it's absolutely neat. beautiful yeah and then it puts on that dark purple fruit well how pretty to mix with something pink or yellow yeah maybe you put a yellow calabacoas around the base of it uh, just kind of grace over the the pot. How pretty would that be? That would be really pretty. <laughs> well, thank you. I that think you're right. I, I do that with artichokes. Artichokes are a beautiful yeah. plant. I don't like artichokes. Please don't have us over and offer us artichokes. I won't enjoy the experience. I know this is offensive to Californians, but or they grew up in artichoke fields. Oh, I didn't. I don't want. I don't like them. <laughs> but it's a beautiful plant, and if you let that fruit blossom, because it's a it's a flower. It's the most interesting, freaky, blue-purple flower. It's just really neat. Mm -hmm. So I like to grow it for the flower, not the fruit, right. just because it's pretty. It looks prehistoric. Uh, artichokes look like they've, like they, they probably did roam around with <laughs> dinosaurs. So they, with them, right? they did. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a uh, lot of veggies you can use. Some just off the top of my head that I thought of were the the peppers, the bell peppers, yeah, because they come in purple and yellow and green and red. What cool colors to have growing in a pot. 
um, tomatoes, of course, and cherry tomatoes or the smaller patio tomatoes, I think for this concept would work better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but those are good. They come in the purples, yeah. uh, browns, yellows, reds. What a really pretty combination of colors yeah. that you can mix with some annuals in your pot. And if you're, the other thing to think about is companion planting. So I just brought a few examples of great companion plants. Marigolds, of course. Yeah. So putting some marigolds in with your tomatoes, so you're doing that companion planting. So marigolds are great for kind of repelling some of those insects, not all of them, uh, but it does a good job at keeping a lot of your insects away. So you're not using as many pesticides uh, on your plants. So that's a great way marigolds, to Marigolds, they do actually, uh, we plant these on our patio to keep mosquitoes away because mm -hmm. you hose this down at sunset. Right. And it'll it'll it just it pushes the flies and the mosquitoes off the patio. Right. And it also does it for for vegetables, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But right. but this is a Durango red, yeah. super unusual yeah. to see a red marigold. Very cool. Yeah, usually they're like a bright yellow. I just brought this one. We have the yellow, we have the orange, but I really like the color on this one. So it's very dynamic. Why plant boring when you can have something <laughs> new and fun? Red marigolds. Who's ever heard of a thing? Oh, available here at Waters Garden Center. <laughs> Another really good companion plant uh, is the salvias. So this one's the blue salvia. It's an annual salvia, uh, but a great... <laughs> Sorry, just beat her on the head with a plant. <laughs> so this is great for bringing in pollinators. Yeah. So your bees and those uh, butterflies, things that do your pollinating out in the yard, love blue. That bluish purple, they absolutely adore it. So if you want that to shows up really good on screen. That, that one looks good. It's pretty. It shows up nicely. Uh, so great to plant with your um, vegetables to help with pollination. Yeah. So you can do a lot of companion planting. Um, the geranium, the scented, the citronella scented geranium is another really good companion plant to throw out there, lobularia. Uh, so there's a lot you can do to combine and get the best of both worlds out there. I find that bees mm -hmm. really like your pollinators, the things that come in and go from flower to flower. Mm -hmm. They cannot resist blues and yellows. Mm -hmm. So those are their favorite colors. I don't know if that's a depth perception or whatever, but you'll mm -hmm. see out in the, in the landscape, they're after the blue flowers. This is a blue salvia. They just love this. Hummingbirds like this too. Yeah. Uh, they, they like the yellow, bright yellow flowers too. So if you're planting those, it makes your flowers, your your vegetable garden more beautiful because mm -hmm. uh, there's flowers. But then they also pull in or magnify, bringing those pollinators into your garden. So they naturally just go to your tomatoes and go to your squash and go to your pumpkins mm -hmm. and go to your, everything else in the gardens. Mm -hmm. Brilliant idea. So the other things you can think about is using strawberries as a ground cover. Um, we have a patch out in the back corner <clears throat> Big of my patch. Yard that is strawberries that we just kind of use as a ground cover. It's also kind of an overflow catch for the pond and different stuff out there. Um, but that's a great way to use fruit. You can get fruit whenever you want. It, strawberries are also great for hanging over your pots, your containers oh, yeah. to kind of soften that, that thrill, fill, and spill. Yeah. So have the strawberries be your spill. And the great thing about a lot of the strawberries are coming out, I think I showed them a few weeks ago, like that dark pink blossom, yeah. that light pink blossom. So it doesn't have to be boring. It can still be fun. Um, another thought, I thought oh, that's a really good idea, and we've done this, is you like to grow those big pumpkins, the giant pumpkins yeah, giant out pumpkins. in the yard. Well, by the end of the season, that thing is taken over our yard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it makes a great ground cover. Yeah, You know, it really fills the yard, makes it look lush and tropical. Uh, the same with rhubarb. Rhubarb yeah, has that really big leaf that looks so tropical and gorgeous out there. So why not 
use things that give you double purpose out in the yard. If you want to impress grandkids, <laughs> plant a couple giant pumpkins. They don't have to be the size of a Volkswagen. No. They can just be like the size of a doghouse. They're pretty easy to grow up to 80 pounds or so. Mm -hmm. It's three times what you can find at the grocery store. And they kind of go, ooh, Pop-Pop, he's a real gardener. Wow, that's impressive. You try to lift it up, take the front yard and have it out there. Anyway, great advice, Lisa. Ground covers are double purpose of a lot of your edible landscapes. And those can be planted now. So strawberries would love to be planted right now. Kennelly Selene, The Mountain Gardeners. Right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants of the Month are lilac, poppy, purple plums, and our songbird columbine. This graceful beauty dances in the shade of the garden, holding its head high, smiling back at you. This bloomer comes back each spring with lacy green foliage, promptly followed by amazing two-tone flowers. An excellent cut flower that is both deer and rabbit resistant. So hardy, some varieties naturally call Arizona home. Songbird Columbine can only be found at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Go native with Waters' locally grown selection of overachievers. Waters' hand-selected native plants and cactus are famous for continual blooms, natural beauty, and low care. You can do this. A stunning backyard with less water and even less work. And Waters can help. Go native with Waters' selection of overachieving native plants from Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Shop Waters' native plants in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So the garden center business is kind of a, a fraternity or sorority. It's, it's, it's a very small group and we look after each other. We care for each other. We try to answer each other questions or help each other with these are small family businesses. Garden centers have not been franchised. Maybe there's, they haven't been replicated. I mean, if you own three garden centers, that is a big deal and almost guaranteed family owned. Uh, so big chains actually are still family owned. And so we try to help each other. So I had Sam Kirk out of uh, Wisconsin of all things. He came in on Thursday to see the garden center, just catch up with a friend. And then we took him around for the, you know, took him out side by side, showed him the countryside of, of, of this part of Yavapai County. He just had a hoot. He had, he had come in early to hike Granite Mountain. He's from Wisconsin. He flew in just a couple days early just to see me. And he's got some business down in Scottsdale, and then away he goes. So just fun to see all that. But he had a question. He's not used to our kind of vegetation. He goes, Ken, I'm seeing these, you know, I've got a condo in Florida, and I live in Wisconsin. Um, there's this plant that sort of looks like an aloe, but I couldn't recognize it. They put on these tall stalks. Looks like flowers. I could, what is that? And that is an agave Agaves are natural. They, now, uh, aloes don't grow outdoors here, uh, not through winter at least. They'll grow outdoors, but you need to bring them indoors for the winter because they won't take that freeze, freeze, thaw, the cold. They just won't take the cold. But agaves, 
do it magically. And so agaves, there's, we sell two or three different varieties. There's several types that are naturally growing here. Uh, perii, which is an agave type of, of, of agave or century plant. The myth is they bloom every once every century. So this thing will grow up to be 100 years old, and then it will put on this huge flower stalk that grows 12, 15 feet tall. It's quite stunning. In reality, if it's happy, it can bloom in 10 years, you know, half that, less, way less than every century, but thus the name century plant, that's where that comes from. There's a type that grows up on the, uh, by the Grand Canyon called Utah Gensis. It's a little bit wilder, a little more open, but still has this beautiful blue-green big pads to it, puts on the same kind of flower stalk. So these are all native plants. In fact, if you were to plant those, we've got several varieties. You can plant them right now. I would not put those on your drip irrigation system. I'd water them by hand just to get them started. They're very low water native plants. Another one that's just the same way. So uh, manzanita, whatever you do, we sell three, four different varieties of manzanita. We figured out how to grow four different types. And they come in different sizes. So there's ground cover level, there's knee height, hip height, and then the traditional head height, the big boy, the Howard McMinn's uh, manzanita. It gets big. It's too big for a lot of gardens. Each one, I would, I just would not put it on a drip system. I wouldn't, I wouldn't water it with an irrigation traditional irrigation system. I'd water it by hand. Because if you kill those natives, it will be from overwatering. If you're watering that manzanita every, you know, twice every every week. It's going to die. It'll drown to death. It's very needs to be very dry many times, and so that's manzanita has that great big red stalk, red bark to it. All manzanita is really rich red, red bark, and they all have that same white bell-shaped flower, um, just evergreen foliage. It's a great little native here. So a lot of these natives are the same way. Just don't plant them. They'll care for themselves. They just don't take a lot of care. The one that gets people confused are cacti. And so we don't grow very many cactus up here at the higher elevations. That's more of a Phoenix desert thing. Really, you're below 3,000 feet, 2,500 feet, something like that. That's Wickenburg and, and south. That's really where you're getting that from, to, to Tucson, all those areas. We don't grow uh, saguaros up here. Yes, we do have them for sale at the garden center but they're meant to stay small in containers and you bring them indoors for the one you put them in an Arizona room or, or a, a greenhouse. We've got several different exotic tropical kinds of cacti, but really tout them as a, a house plant or a patio plant that you'll bring indoors and protect for the winter. We do have quite a few, there's not a lot, but quite a few of the outdoor hardy varieties. So the number one seller, um, probably prickly pear. There's several varieties of prickly pear that and really is pad size. So you've got your um, pancake varieties, kind of a trunk, then it puts on this kind of tree looking type of, of prickly pear. There's, there's purple prickly pear. It's kind of very pretty, real bright fruit on it, bright yellow flower to it. Uh, there, there's several types of that big, big, uh, uh, I don't remember all the names. There's several out there. Another one that People that gets poo-pooed, but they're they're so hardy, and they just like go. They handle any kind of weather, any kind of cold, any kind of heat. Uh, choyas or teddy bear cacti. Now the native ones are kind of mangy looking. They're kind of ugly, but if you could 
you could grow an exotic variety that's just really funky different there's some with with more pet more needles and more the branch structures better uh that's the teddy bear variety but you put them in the ground and they just they don't care for them they're just fine what folks get confused with is how do i plant one of those things so it's it's that can be a challenge usually you're going to probably dig your hole ahead of time set the bucket down to the hole and then cut the bucket off of it without touching the pads whether it's a prickly pear uh, whether it's, uh, we've got, uh, clear cups, little tiny ground cover looking things that grow up in between the rocks. He's native up towards Watson Lake. You'll see this little tiny cute. It's been in bloom actually with this red flower and coming up through the rocks. That's clear cup. It's a native hardy cacti. Any of these, you just put them in the ground, cut that, take a razor blade and cut the bucket off. And that's probably good enough. Or what we can do many times, we'll take newspaper and we'll wrap it around the pads. Then we'll lift it up by that, or maybe a towel over that, or, or a blanket, or something. To put, and big leather gloves, of course. And so we'll we'll manipulate it that way. But usually, you just plant the bucket, cut the bucket off, and away you go. Or hire your gardener to do it for you. <laughs> so lots of cacti, lots of yuccas. This is yucca country. I would say far more yuccas grow up at the higher elevations of Arizona than anything else. Uh, so there's there's banana yuccas and red yuccas and yellow yuccas. There's breaklight yuccas. We probably have a dozen different types of yuccas, and they all just thrive here. The one that struggles is that blue agave uh, one. That's the one they make tequila out of. It grows huge down in Phoenix. Up here, I've really tried a couple times to protect it. I'm a, I'm a gardener. I really I can get things to grow where most folks can't. I lost every couple of years. It, it got too cold for it. So there's some that are more cold-hardy than others. Some that, that uh, one one of my favorite natives, I guess there's native shrubs, would be Eliagnus or Silverberry. It's this evergreen shrub. It gets head high. It's got bright gold edging to it. It's thick evergreen. It's great for privacy screens. That's another one. Don't put it on your drip system. Just let it go and water it by hand. It's hardy enough to do that. Some of your junipers, Arizona cypress. Probably Arizona cypress, I'd put it on a drip system just to, just so it grows faster. I mean, I would really care for it till it gets to that, till it gets up to 15 feet tall and thick. Just because usually you're planting that for privacy, windbreaks. You know, you got headlights coming down the street at you. You're planting it there. Then as soon as it's up to size, then I'll cut it off the irrigation. So it will grow faster with, with some care. It's also, so another variety of native are your perennial flowers. And we have so many, Gallardia, Echinacea. There's so many salvias, poppies. There's so many wild native flowers that just do so well. Those I would probably care for them, water them and fertilize them a little bit, just because you'll get more flowers on them. So a little bit of care for some yarrow goes a long way. So you can get a yarrow to bloom pretty much end of April through through October with a little bit of food and some and some water every once in a while. And it just blooms and blooms and blooms. Catmint. I love catmint. It's not really a truly a native, but it thinks it is. So it's this beautiful blue flower. It gets up about knee high, kind of ball shaped. It's pretty. Russian sage, autumn sage, anything that has sage or salvia in the name. You know it's right for here. Low care, low water, high flower, hummingbirds are going to love it. Those are all plants that are great native 
types of plants for the mountains of Arizona. Be right back. Take a break right after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden Companion Plants of the Month are Lilac, Poppy, Purple Plum, and our White Night Candy Tuft. Masses of fragrant white flowers cover mounds of perennial green foliage. Extreme heat and cold tolerance, this award winner repeatedly blooms without deadheading for super easy care. Butterflies, bees, hummingbirds are going to love your backyard again. White Night Candy Tuft can only be found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Waters companion plants for April are Purple Twist Plums, Perfume Lilacs, Columbine, and Arizona Gallardia. Gallardia is the perfect mountain perennial with huge fiery flowers on a compact plant. She loves the heat and super drought hardy. You can count on this bloomer to show off all summer long in raised beds, containers, or in the garden. Havelina and rabbit proof. This bloomer is a must-have Arizona plant. Arizona Gallardia, found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. A real benefit of, of supporting small family businesses, garden centers, Waters Garden Center, Warners and Flagstaff, Plant Fair and, and Payson, where you know who your small independent garden centers are, is they keep track of those plants. They know what naturally grows in your backyard, what's best for you, what's full sun, what's full shade, which one you're going to make less mistakes. You might pay a little bit more, but the quality of the plant is far greater, but mainly it's the quality of the advice that you get on how to plant that better plant. It really does up your game. So you'll have less loss. There's nothing, gardeners, we, we really do need help. I mean, it pains us to watch a plant suffer and die. It just hurts hurts the very soul. I mean, it just hurts us down, down under. So you just don't want to make that mistake. I mean, yeah, $10, you can have a brand new one and you recover. It's not that big a deal. But still, it's just the fact that we killed a plant. It's my fault. Oh, my gosh. One thing, you'll, what you should look at with your local garden centers, and all, we're all friends, um, ask them if they have a garden club or some sort of insider club. And what we do is we've got different things we do. We've got not discounts, but guard advice. There's some promos. We watch your warranties for you. We help you keep track of all this stuff. But last week when we had that frost, we put a frost warning out. If we had your, we had to do it fast. We just, we can only do it by email. So we sent it off to the newspapers and they kind of published it. No, they didn't, but we could go right from my desktop to yours. And you had a frost warning. Hey, it looks like it's going to be cold tonight. You might want to cover things just be forewarned. Anyone above, you know, 4,000 feet level, you should really be careful tonight. And a lot of folks are very grateful for that, but you only got that if you're part of our Waters Garden Club. I mean, I'll go through and like my peonies blooming, and I'll add that to my weekly 
a news newsletter. I write a garden column every week just for my my peeps, my people, my gardeners, folks that really care about us and they want to know and they track what we do and they want to know what new things in, how it's blooming. But as I know that they're gardeners and so when they see something blooming around town, I'll let it bloom for like a week. Let everyone see it. Then I'll, I'll do a quick video going, hey, you've been wondering what this tree is in bloom. Well, this is a red bud. It's blooming pink right now. Great native. And I'll just show you what it is so that you don't, so that you're informed. You're right there. The garden columns are what you should be doing right now. It's not just something downloaded from Google. It's never advertising. We never, if I had a nickel for every realtor that came and asked me for my list, that will never, ever happen. It's just for us. Our, our little group of, there's maybe, I don't know how many thousands of people are on this, but that's our group. And we are very protective of it. But if you're in, in Pine Top Lakeside, go over to Christopher's. And, and I'm sure they'll have something similar. So we're all a little bit different, but we all care about, we want our gardeners that we're helping to be truly, truly successful. And so we do all kinds of crazy stuff, but there's this, ins they'll track your warranties, your, your receipts for you. So you never have to track all that. Also, all of it's done. If, if for us, if you bought fertilizer last year, we'll remind you it's time and here's why, and here's, here's where you do it. So we'll try to, we're trying to help you keep track because you want to work with the environment, not against the environment. As soon as you do that, gardening becomes difficult. If you get in the sequence of lilacs are all going to bloom at this time every year and there's a great selection and here's the five types that are best planted now and you write an article on that and you go wow that's great service that's something amazon and the big boxes they just dream they could do but they can't because they don't live here amongst us with us so ask for their help they're there to help you they, they're passionate about plants and they want you to be successful guaranteed and so many times there's an insider club. We call it Waters Garden Club. It's not very original, but it's for gardeners. It's perfect. And it's really there to help you be a better gardener throughout the seasons of the year. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. You can grow your own vitamins. We can show you how to grow your own vegetables and herbs for a healthier you. Waters plants are entirely organic, with plant genetics never altered and non-GMO. Natural vitamins straight from the garden with naturally healthier herbs and vegetables. Healthier plants for a healthier you with plants from Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Shop Waters in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.